Hey everybody, thanks for listening. This is part two of this week's episode where we sat down with Aaron and Mike of The Monarchist, a podcast covering all things Old Dominion. We talk about everything about what we could expect from visiting games up there, about fans coming down here, and just uh, Old Dominion's whole process of coming into the Sun Belt. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with uh, Aaron and Mike from The Monarchist, a podcast about old dominion uh thanks for joining us guys and welcome to the sunbelt thank you well, appreciate the uh, uh welcome absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah, what did you good. bring you brought whiskey huh you're going a little hard i like it <laughs> that's good man and i'm reading I'm, I'm, I'm reading the the title here and a a ron what did you bring come on man I stole one of my wife's IPAs. Nice. That's a uh, like juicy, juicy IPA from uh, Three Notched out of Charlottesville. All right. But don't cool. tell her. I had to throw another one in the fridge. Hopefully, it'll be cold before she finds out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, don't, don't let Ryan uh, distract you from the from asking about and commenting about whiskey and what kind of beer you're drinking. He's drinking PBR right now and probably has been since 2 p.m. today. So that's about right. Also, just so we're all clear, they won an award and uh, and never looked back. All right. And never uh, changed a thing. Why would you? Why would you? You're the best beer already. I mean, it's, it's done. We got the I, mean, another I, I will say that I'm repping Old Dominion baseball while we do it, though. All right. All right. I like it. Respect. I got a little Panther head. Hey, there we go. Myself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, yeah. So, guys, we'll get into it. I think the the overall sense I've gotten from the fan bases from all three of the schools that have joined the Sun Belt is pretty excited about it. Um, is that true from your perspective? And how how did it go down from y'all's side of things? I mean, we we saw things happening from inside the conference. What was it like looking from you guys outside the conference? You want to start uh, us off, Mike? Yeah, it was a uh, it was nerves. Um, we really <laughs> need to get out of conference USA. <laughs> It was such a terrible fit for us. We were on an island. I mean, we were worse off than anyone else, I think, in the league because we were so isolated. Um, Charlotte was our closest rival, um, and we've never been good at the same time in anything so other than <laughs> baseball. So how do you build a rivalry when you're far away and then the other team's not good at football at the same time you are? They're not, and Charlotte's never good at basketball. So beating them is like, there's nothing really on the line there. So, and then you had the TV deal is awful. Oh my God. Um, Which channel are you on, right? There is a channel. When it's uh, all just like Facebook. And (laughs) I think the the, the running joke online is. The, the, the running joke on social media is that you're on the, the TV screens at the gas stations, right? That's where they actually had conference Mike, Mike, Mike's the guy that started that. Yep. <laughs> that whole thing that happened on Twitter, that was Mike. Yeah, I made a fake uh, news release from Conference USA and posted it on the Sunbelt page and on Twitter. And the amount of people that thought it was real was pretty alarming. <laughs> but it also shows so, you how bad conference USA is with TV deals. Is that, is that so like pumping your gas at BP? And yeah. Like start, okay. All right, good. I just want to make sure I'm clear about where that is. Cause that would be hilarious. But do you only get like 30 seconds of your game? 
It depends on how much how big your gas tank is, Tim. <laughs> just just endlessly be, fill up. My it's luck, I'd have that commercial break between the between the touchdown and the and the kickoff. I would I'd miss the whole thing. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a testament to um, how dumb a lot of uh, football fans are, and then also how horrible that conference USA TV deal is. That it was not beyond the realm of, of believability. <laughs> Well, and, right. and so, like, the thing is, is when we moved up from FCS, people were upset we didn't join CUSA. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so, and, and, and like, we kind of looked at it, you know, with a with a side eye as well. Um, but it, it just, like, turns out things were worked, worked out in our favor. And now, now things have worked out in your favor. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, there's other things we hate about that league. Um, there's Texas a long list. We, we could we could probably do, do like a three hour just like nobody else speaks and the two of you just tell us how bad the conference USA was right <laughs> yeah so throughout our tenure there we'd uh, have news reports from the Virginia pilot about how what's he like is suggesting these changes to the league to make it more friendly for the eastern teams and how they have partners that agree with them like middle Tennessee State and Marshall and Charlotte and Every time, none of it would happen. Uh, we have these. This we're playing in a football practice facility for a basketball championship in Texas every year, when none of the teams in Texas even have good attendance. Like, what are we doing here? Should we yeah. be trying to placate to the teams that actually care? I, I don't know. It just whatever they did just never made sense. Like they didn't have a vision. So was Old Dominion the one that was pushing that um, East Coast Conference, East Coast Division type thing? I, I, yeah, I the about whole that. geographic realignment. Yeah, yeah. Wood, Wood was pressing that whole thing and trying to trying to get some support for it. And it made all the sense in the world. It's almost like what the Sun Belt really is kind of focusing on. And it just really, for whatever reason, couldn't get any traction on it. So yeah. I think last yeah, summer... I that was a Marshall thing, but yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. It's been a thing that Wood's been pitching for years. Um, David, I, David, for weeks have been, has been talking about how Sunbelt East should just like branch off, separate, and, yeah. and and be its own conference. Which I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. But like, you know, it's it's sort of in the same vein of of like, well, this is this is a, a conference that actually makes sense. Is like Sunbelt East right now, right? Well, well if I they do it, if, if, popular if the East is going to break off, you do it before Georgia, before adding another team and Georgia state gets bumped to the West. Cause that's what happened with, you know, you talk about having sure. a, 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 originally a close conference and the way it was before, you know, we were, you know, we weren't the most Western team. We were the second most Western team with Troy. And now we are the most Western team by far. We went from having road games being about a six hour drive away to the three new, or it's actually uh, Marshall, uh, ODU and James Madison all being like eight, nine hour drives. So it's, uh, it, whereas it got tight for the Carolina, Virginia schools, West Virginia schools, it, the Georgia schools kind of got left a little bit out there, uh, on that West side. Yeah. That yeah, wasn't a it, question. I've been saying stuff. <laughs> so I, I'll add there's those conversations on the board about expansion. Uh, mm-hmm. to me, every time I see that discussion, if that ever happens, all we're heading towards is a split eventually. Because mm-hmm. once you get that's what like I say as well, sixteen to eighteen teams, that that's not going to last long. It, it's just going to have to splinter at some point. I, yeah, I think it depends on the East. What you want to travel P5. to Louisiana? I, I think it depends on what the P five programs do because 
um, <clears throat> those conferences are going into super conferences. If they split, then then we will follow. Uh, but if they maintain their 16 to 24 teams, whatever the hell they're doing right now, um, then we'll try to do our best to do it too. I mean, you know, we've had commissioners say that, say that like we're just doing whatever the SEC does. And and so, you know, I mean, that's, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll continue doing. Well, I'm hopeful that the conference stays the course and keeping a really good focus on what they're doing. So if it does grow, it grows in the right manner not chasing geographic or uh you know tv tv numbers and and markets and those sorts of things but you know if you have a chance to add back uh you know east carolina or someone that really makes sense in the footprint and it's a great opportunity um then maybe you do it but don't start stretching like some of these other ones have because that's that's really what the sunbelt has going for it right now one or one of the major things it was just so attractive um, to Old Dominion and to to our fans for sure. Yeah, we we haven't played a single conference game yet, and everyone's already talking about what the future expansion is going to look like. And it's kind of like maybe, maybe we should see how games play out a little bit before we start worrying about all of that and everything. But I yeah, I agree with you, Tim. You haven't got a chance to get in anything yet. You got. Uh... Something about the guy yeah, joining you wanted to ask? No, a question. I mean, back when they were SES, I mean, when you moved up to FBS, were you guys super excited about coming to Conference USA? Like, kind of like, ooh, this is shiny. I like it. And then how quickly did it erode to the point of which, wow, this this conference is super big. It's stretched out. You know, our closest school is Charlotte, which I can't imagine is less than five hours to get there from Old Dominion. Um, what was it like as that transition happened? Uh, we had a few different camps. I mean, you had the the one group who was CAA or die. I mean, they loved they loved the the rivalries or the relationships. Say with uh, <laughs> with William and Mary and playing JMU and playing VCU and George Mason and because when we go to work every day, those are the those are the people that we work with that you know mm -hmm. people that are in those schools. Then you had another group that was like, hey, we're ready to move up, and this is this is the opportunity. We've got to take it, you know, strike while the, the iron's hot, and the team was doing well. Um, so it seemed like a logical, maybe it wasn't the perfect fit, but it was the fit at the moment. So it was like, hey, we got to jump on this thing, and if we do well for a few years, well, maybe we can find our way to, uh, you know, AC or, you know, something, whatever the next step is. And then I think there were some folks that were just kind of like, I'm not sure, you know, kind of what we, what's the next progression uh, in what we do. Um, but we quickly found out, I think everybody quickly found out that it wasn't a good fit. And because of how fractured the league is and how dispersed it is, that fans, fans were disconnected. It was you know, very hard to get excited about a game against utep or a, a game against utsa or florida international you know, there's nobody here knows people who went to those schools and no one it, it uh, an apathy grew over the course of the first few years mm -hmm. and and i realized you know the guys on the court and on the field um they could feel that you know i mean obviously they're engaged while they're playing but a lot of the arenas and a lot of the stadiums they're playing in, they weren't playing in front of a lot of folks either. I mean, even in our downtime, 
our attendance numbers crushed most of the Conference USA um, places. So they're playing in, in front of a few hundred people at a, you know, a couple different places. So it just, um, I think after about three years or so, even the people who thought it was the right move at the beginning were looking for a way to exit. Yeah, that's yeah, going to be tough it on was so bad. It was so bad there that COVID hits and ODU's like, we're not even going to play this year. Like, <laughs> we don't want to go play. We get a free year. <laughs> a year to find something better to do with our time. So, what, was the fan what was the fan reaction to, to that? To, you know, people were struggling to kind of get some sense of normalcy and there was all the weird restrictions on going to games and who could go and how many could go. And then uh, Conference USA is back, but Old Dominion said, you know, they, they felt it wasn't the right move yet. What was that? What was that kind of reaction? Like, what was y'all's take when that happened? Are you there, Mike, or did, you, did we lose you? I think we lost him. Yeah. All right. He's, I'll he's, take he's, either lost him or he's, or he's deep in thought, one of the two. <laughs> does look very deep in thought. Uh, I'll take it when he comes back. I'll let him pick up because I know Mike's got some good thoughts on this one. Um, you know, that that was a we, – we, we talked about that with – coach Ronnie and we've talked with some of the players about that you know it was the right move for Old Dominion obviously there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that we're not privy to and decisions but uh, Commonwealth of Virginia made it very difficult for anything um, to happen with groups and being a, you know a G5 school and we're dependent upon those ticket those ticket sales and those concessions you know, there's a, it costs a lot of money to play a football game, and with doing it with 250 people in the stands, it's a huge burden to the school. And I don't know how much of a, a factor that was into um, making that decision, but it had to play, you know, a significant role yeah. there, um, just because you know dollars are at a premium at, at this level and. Uh, when when Old Dominion moved up to um, FBS, we really got we got put on got some some handcuffs put on us um, by some state legislators with regards to percentage of student fees and those sorts of things. So playing with no people in the stands was just, you know, in my opinion, probably a, a, a huge deal breaker. Um, hey, Mike, you came back on, so I'm going to let you take this, but I just kind of was talking about the money aspect with regards to trying to play football without being able to have fans in the stands. Well, I mean, that wasn't all of it. I mean, we literally couldn't practice as a team. Uh, Virginia mm -hmm. Beach, since it was a resort area, and Hampton, Hampton Roads is all kind of grouped together, the state put a limit on 25 people or more outside gatherings. So how do you, how do you even have – practice with a limit of 25 people. Um, you get a couple coaches together, and then you can't even have the starters play each other in practice. Um, throwing some refs, I mean, it's not possible. They would have had to yeah. move out of state for the whole season to actually play. And then the cost, I, I, I don't know. I just – I think they had no choice really in the matter. And – yeah. That led to what, what yeah. happened. And, um, it's our fan base was like all COVID discussion. You have people that believed it was a real threat, and then you had people that. I'm waiting. Decision. 
Um, <laughs> it is what it is at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. It just was, you know, that was, you know, from outside looking in, it was an interesting thing seeing all these teams, schools coming back or conferences coming back and then just the one school out of, out of conference USA. So that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. You know, if you can't have your team practice together to have the guys on the field and, you know, butt up against each other, you know, it, how are you going to be prepared for a game day? You don't want to, at that point, you're putting your players uh, uh, health in jeopardy because as soon as they get, you know, hit, for the first time they haven't done, done that all summer long. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be dangerous. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I, I hadn't even thought about that. You made a, You made a comment about the restrictions that Virginia puts on universities there. That was a big thing about whether or not JMU was going to be able to make that transition to FBS uh, along with you guys, or, or not, not transition to FBS, you guys to the Sun Belt with you guys. And it was about that student fees. Um, I guess they figured that out. <laughs> well, you don't have to do it on day one. Um, I can't remember the exact what the exact percentage is and how much time you have to do. But hey, Mike, let's talk about the Cox bill and how it affected uh, our transition and how it may affect JMU. You're, you're much more knowledgeable on this one than me. Well, what it really uh, limits is capital. Uh, Damn! Uh, I don't think it really hampers like the football team and what they're spending. Nothing. All right. We're, we're go to my hey, phone. can we can we disable his video? Maybe that will help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we lose the video, yeah. that probably help. Uh, I'll interject a little here just for a second because um, I'm the everyone makes fun of me for being a libertarian on the podcast. You're a politician, um, yeah. But I bet we, I we, bet. We make- we make fun of you for a lot of things. One of oh, that's one of the politician. things. That's right. That's one <laughs> including, of the things. including your choice of beers, apparently. That's that's right. Yeah, no, we <laughs> rag on each other quite a bit. You got to have some uh, tough skin here. Um, <laughs> but um, what I was gonna say is, like, I'm sure it didn't affect like uh, those those COVID restrictions and whatnot. Didn't affect you know UV and and, and Virginia Tech uh, just, just the same as it, it, it might have impacted some of the smaller schools. I bet they got carve outs. <laughs> They get what they want. That's right. They got a payroll. They got a payroll protection <laughs> loan to play football. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they probably they probably did. Yeah, they, they're they they definitely are the two golden children in Virginia. Um, yeah. And uh, and Mike comes back on if he's able. You know, when he he starts talking about this, there was a state legislator that's not necessarily super favorable to to Old Dominion. Uh, hold on, did you? Did you get a wardrobe change too? Oh, I switched. <laughs> no, I switched to uh, my my phone. I okay. think I have a better camera. <laughs> I just switched to my phone. It was a uh, my repeater keeps uh, restarting for whatever. It keeps on repeating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's it's talk just, the Cox bill again, Mike. Now. Yes, heating. Right. Cox bill. So I think what it really impacts. It's not so much uh, athletic spending, but cap athletic capital spending. Because um, you can do certain things with the football budget and basketball budget, but with capital, it's going to be a fixed amount. And you got to – our original budget for the football team was over over $100 million. That went down to $71 million when it was all said and done. Um, the difference there is quite a bit. Um, we have a lot of spending we have to do here. With our floodplain, we got to drill deep. We have a lot of costs there. Um, 
So we're behind the eight ball on a lot of things because we have to spend more just to build. Right, um, right. When you cut out $30 million of the budget because of the Cox bill, that's really going to impact you. But so we brought this up while you were uh, going through the connection issues about um, JMU and their ability to move up to the FBS uh, with without that same kind of um, uh, athletic contribution from the student fees. And I, I guess uh, Aaron was saying that I guess they don't have to cut that immediately this year. They can step stone yeah, that over so the next several years to get back into compliance. I think it's like a seven year window. However, okay, the bill doesn't really have any teeth. And if you look at it and how they actually uh, categorize spending, you can move certain things to the university. So I think they're already in compliance or close to compliance. As okay. it. The problem will be when you add in all of the extra scholarships, what other sports they're going to add for Title IX. Um, that makes it more difficult. Then they're going to have to figure that out. But I, right. I don't think really big thing for them because they wouldn't be doing it if they they couldn't yeah they've um, got a they've got a morality really, rabid fan base and yeah. they should be fine in that regard low down capital building at their uh, uh, athletically for them but luckily for them they have a brand new basketball stadium football stadiums uh half of it's great um <laughs> 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 i think i've seen that <laughs> yeah, if you that, know, that w- they, when their their fans show pictures, it's usually just one side of the stadium. It's like the Great Pyramids of Egypt. You see those pictures of the pyramids, and it's it's all desert behind it. You get a camera on the other side, and you see like the entire city. You get everything there. So they're showing the crappy side, and uh, James Madison is showing the good side. So, uh, so I guess one of the things I saw from uh, my perspective, following the realignment, everything was Mark. Southern Miss and Marshall were the targets for the Sun Belt and to go up to 12 teams and whether or not we kept the basketball schools or not. And then it seemed like from what I was seeing that Marshall was that strong arm that um, we want to do this, but we really want to build this East Division. We and They were responsible for Old Dominion and uh, JMU coming in so what do you guys owe marshall well are you guys just going to go like lose all your games to marshall for like the next three or four years to pay him back for getting you into the conference <laughs> or <laughs> what, what, what kind of slick of backs happened to get uh, to make this happen for uh, for you guys through them well i think early on we we had a partnership with marshall where we decided whatever you guys are doing well uh, we're both doing together so to say it was just a Marshall thing, I, I don't, I'm not sure how much how true that is, because um, we're helping out App and Coastal as well. And um, oh yeah, we don't care about them though. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a it's it's a win win. It's a win win for both, uh, and not even just uh, Marshall. I mean, Marshall's had good competitive basketball since we've been in Conference USA together. Um, they play a different brand of basketball than we do, but it's always been kind of a, uh, I don't know, I don't know if rivalry is the right word, but it's, it's been a really good series. It's always competitive. It's always fun. Right. And then foot, foot, you know, football, obviously they've gotten the best of us um, quite a bit. Uh, last year was close, um, but geographically it makes a lot of sense, both what the Sun Belt's trying to do, but for us as well. And then JMU is a natural rival for Old Dominion. 
but they're really close to Marshall as well. So I think the opportunity for that rival to be, you know, very good just out of proximity, um, right. you know, kind of right there on the border, the mountains and everything like that. Uh, I think it's it just adds a nice, uh, another nice flavor for the, the Sun Belt and for the individual teams. And obviously Southern Miss is full of tradition and it has great programs. Uh, historically, they've been a very good football program and baseball. Obviously, you know we saw this last year what they're capable of doing. So, I really think all the additions bring something good to the table to the Sun Belt. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to. It, if that came across as a, as a dig at ODU or JMU, that that's not the way I intended it. Um, when I give my digs, I do that straight up, full on, <laughs> not behind the back or whatever. I actually, I actually want, I want to pay a compliment. I want, I want to pay a compliment to specifically uh, the uh, ODU, Marshall, and JMU coming in because Atlanta being the melting pot, we've got alumni from pretty much any university in the country, specifically in the southeast and the eastern uh, coast, and so it'd be finally fun to have uh some co-workers of ours from these universities in our conference that don't work for us they work with us because typically you know georgia state employs a lot of like the, the trash we call them the trash down south the georgia southern fans and the apps they, they all work for us but our colleagues and our jobs are those that have degrees from old dominion mu and uh, and marshall so it'd be good you know we can actually talk about it without having to worry about harassment from hr or anything for talking down to our employees <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Mike is speechless. <laughs> All right. He knows. Uh, he's Ryan just, or Tim, somebody like, you know, pick up my, my podcast where it's just like, you know, this is like some dudes talking at a bar. Uh, and we talk, we talk shit. Uh, we talk a lot of shit. <laughs> Like a lot, like we we can't back up all the shit we talk. We just do it. If, if you were if you were to ask me the name of our special teams coordinator right now, I would have to ask you: Do we have a special teams coordinator? We're I don't think that we kind do. of guys. <laughs> I think we got one, didn't we? I don't know, man. Shit, we have to have I think one, we got right? one. We don't, a, we don't have a we don't have a running backs coach. But we got a special teams coordinator. I think that's that's yeah. That's we don't the, do uh, we don't do stats. We make fun of Trash Town South for having an indoor practice facility under like a aluminum shed thing, whatever they did. It, it's it's where they park <laughs> their school bus uh, when it rains. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they even make fun of it. <laughs> pretty nice purple. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, come on, uh, Ryan, Tim. You guys got a question for these guys? I got a couple more in here. But I want you I guys got, a chance. To I got talk. one. I got one about uh, tailgating and the experience, um, you know, around Old Dominion. Mm-hmm. Any we love beer here on the podcast. So, any breweries that you hey, Ryan, recommend if we visit Old Dominion? I'm gonna let Mike answer this one. He's All a right, pro. Mike. So, uh, within about a mile and a half of campus, there's three breweries uh, that are walking distance of the stadium. There's a like that. There's Elation. Uh, they're all, uh, Elation and River Beach are both on uh, Collie Avenue, um, and an area they call North Collie now. Um, that's where all the bars and restaurants are within walking distance of campus. Uh, it's a pretty great area, but Elation is on one end and River Beach is on the other. Elation uh, does a lot of German, like Pilsner's Lagers, um, Berliner Weiss. And then on the other end is River Beach, and their specialty is more like IPAs and sours. Uh, both are great breweries. Both are pretty cool hangout spaces. Um, vale is not far from campus, and uh, their satellite location in Norfolk is uh, 
It's on Colonial Avenue, not far at all. Uh, there's another probably six breweries within like three miles of campus. So uh, there's no shortage of options when you come to town. I would try to hit up Chelsea and go to Smart Mouth and Benchtop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smart Mouth is pretty great, but Benchtop, uh, it's a former scientist who uh, owns that, that brewery. And he does a lot of funky things, but his sours and his stouts are amazing. Ooh, stouts, so, talking my language. Just yes, on sour, you're not talking mine. <laughs> no, no, so it's, I'm super weird. My house is PBR or Guinness. <laughs> just just one extreme to another. <laughs> Don't let him but lie to you. He has boxes of always, wine always and bottles here. of gin, too. At, so. um, ambers and port, porters and stouts, pretty much. So. You, you, I think you'd like the Lation a lot because yeah. they also have a great um, pizza oven in there that oh. they're custom pizza out of. So it's all more Neapolitan style. So it, it's all depending on if you like Neapolitan style. But it's great pizza, good beer, and it's just a great place to hang out. Um, and it's what's super the, What's the what's the like y'all's game day? What y'all's game day environment like? And What's it like for opposing fans coming in there? Is there? Do you guys have a good crowd out there tailgating? Do you have uh, areas where opposing teams? Like, we got we play you guys here this year, so right. we don't get to experience it. But um, just kind of curious what it's like out there. So you have to be a donor to get a, a pass. So it's hard for visitors to tailgate without buying them on the secondary market, and you're going to pay through the nose for a pass. However, campus, no. the energy on campus is just crazy on a game day it, it just feels like a different place honestly um from one end to the other of campus there's tailgates um parking lots throughout campus and the ones near the stadium are the busiest and most active so if you come as a visitor i would suggest you go to the the black lot silver lot and the blue lot which are all surrounding the stadium um people yeah, are going to walk have, up we have, we have- we we have multiple multiple lots that people tailgate in for sure. Yeah, they're all and they're all packed. They're multiple lots. Yikes. They're all packed. Hey, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing I'm sensing some sarcasm. Yeah, a lot of the visitors go to typically, and then there's like where we go is on the bricks, which is like they you know the athletics department provides us tents and and we we do it up there. Um, but but are you guys are y'all planning on coming down for for uh, the tailgate? I was in Atlanta this past weekend. So, All right. uh, a little early, a little early. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it back, but I, I do enjoy going to Atlanta. So, I want to go to a game soon, but I'm not sure this is the right year. Well, you, you yes. guys and your listeners are more than welcome to come to our tailgate. We are a, a very much a more the merrier. Uh, you know, we won't, we'll talk, we'll talk some shit, um, but it'll be, it'll be fun. Uh, and we got a cooler full of beer and usually there's some liquor, uh, and some smoked meats sitting around. So, you know, I'm sure we'll take <laughs> and if you up on that. And if you can't handle the shit we talk, we l- literally can very rarely back it up. So there's also, there's also that. <laughs> it's just to build, <laughs> off, of, build <laughs> off of what Mike was talking is, uh, yeah, I, I find that our fans, are very welcoming to traveling fans. So if your listeners are listening, they're, they're going to be making a trip to Norfolk for a game. Tell them not to be bashful. Walk through the lots, and people will, especially ours, we've got, what do we have, 10 spots, Mike? Yeah, we have 10 spots. Our group, 
the monarchists have 10 spots and we do it up and you know we actually put menus out on twitter and we invite people to come but uh most of our fans yeah we yeah, do that too. <laughs> most of our fans are <laughs> uh, very welcoming to opposing fans but the school also does a big um they put a lot of focus on uh, the tailgate experience for fans who don't have a home. So on campus at Kaufman Mall, they have music and they have food. They've got all kinds of entertainment. So people who don't have a home or maybe are introverts and are afraid to walk through a lot and try to find a place to go, they can go right there on campus, which is you know really close to the stadium, and have a tailgate experience there where they don't have to they don't have to bring anything if they don't want, but if they want to bring a cooler or chairs, they can do that as well. So I know that the athletic department and our fundraising department um, really work hard to make that a great experience for. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You used fans. two words that Georgia State has never used together. Fundraiser <laughs> department. Like, what, what, what is what is that? What what Great, Three words. Great experience. Four words. <laughs> I will. Hey, I don't know if those guys will, will be listening to this at all, but uh, ODAF, that's our uh, Old Dominion Athletic Foundation. They they work their asses off to um, to build the donor base and to really bring great things to the athletic department. Um, There's not many things I will say without a doubt we have better than anything in Sunbelt, but we have the best fundraisers in the league. And that, I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit, I, I don't think it's even close. Um, All right, Ryan, I think, Tim, I think, I think that basically means we need to stop making have one. So step one, do you have a fundraiser? We, we need to stop <laughs> making App State our pipeline of administrators and make it That's Old true. Dominion. <laughs> That's true. We need to shift, shift north just a little bit. I will add yeah, that. Yeah. That, Minion that might be different from other schools is where our our athletic department's built more like a, a business. It's really segmented. So we have the foundation, we have tickets, um, and then we have ODU uh, productions. So one is dealing with the, the TV production and media and marketing sales. And then you got the guys trying to bring in as much money as they can. And then you got ticket sales. And it does make things a little bit more complicated because you got an umbrella of three things and different budgets in each one. When it comes to football, you want marketing to be with the fundraisers and the ticket sales. Sure. But, um, that that makes gives some problems, but we're pretty good at raising money. I know that. One thing I thought that was pretty impressive that you guys did was, uh, I think it was like a grassroots, I don't know if it was your podcast, but for baseball you guys I think it was you guys or someone else yeah did a no, fundraiser a, for baseball yeah. yeah that's a group uh that's dollars for dingers yeah so we just finished our second year on that and last year it started as an organic thing with with our group and here come here real quick and my son just walked in there come here. <laughs> it happened. i can't i can't i can't ignore him here for a second <laughs> been, uh, i was expecting like a six-year-old <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 14. He's not six. He's taller than me now. But uh, yeah, who whoops who's started, ass in that house? <laughs> yeah, no, still got old man strength. Um, so, so last year we started it, and uh, our our baseball team had a heck of a year, and we were selected to be to host a regional. Unfortunately, our baseball facilities weren't up to the particular standards that are necessary to 
do that. And so they had to go to South Carolina and be the number one seed. Ultimately, we played well, but ultimately ended up falling in that. And a couple of us were just talking and said, you know, we take a step back. Our team actually led the nation in home runs. They hit 105 home runs. We said, man, if everybody gave a dollar for each home run that our guys hit this year, we could raise a little bit of money. So we just started organically ourselves, not with uh, with ODAF, and started on Twitter and just started kind of putting it out there. And before we know it, after a few weeks, we raised about $10,000, which is a significant portion of the baseball's budget for the year. So that's awesome. That was really cool. Yeah. So we decided, hey, we're going to do that again this year. But we didn't lead the nation in home runs this year, but they did hit 128 home runs. Oh, wow. And so this year, uh, Mike and I uh, and, and some of the folks in our group, we have a really good relationship with our athletic department and with our foundation or fundraisers. Um, and those guys helped us. They part partnered with us, so we were able to use a little of their crowdsourcing technology for fundraising, and we ran it all organically through Twitter. Mike put a cool video together. Um, Scott Jackson, who's an Old Dominion alum, he does the post-game show for the uh, Redskins or uh, football team or commander, whoever they are. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Scott did our voiceover for that particular video. So we really kind of pulled our Monarchist network together and, and we raised almost 15 grand this year. So over the last two years, our group just through, you know, us deciding, hey, we wanted to make just our small little impact on what we could do. We've raised almost $25,000 and that's just rallying Monarch fans. Um, that's awesome. You know, the only fundraiser we've done in the last like a uh, year. Um, when we got to the bowl game, they wanted to have a big push to uh, bring as many fans as possible. And that includes students. So uh, they had a fundraiser that they asked us to take part in to uh, buy tickets for students and pay for their bus pass and their food. So I, I, Aaron. <laughs> he's hey, he's Aaron. dialed out. <laughs> Aaron. Yeah, what's up? Sorry. What was the donation amount for the, uh, the students to the bowl game? Was it 100? No, it was lower than that. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember the exact number, but you know but that we, was something that we helped to push. Yeah, we helped to push it, and that ended up raising around thirty thousand dollars in a matter of like two weeks. Wow, so, that's, uh, great. that's great. Yeah, our our you know folks, all the Monarch fans that are small donors, medium donors, big donors, everybody jumped on that. So, you know we're really active on social media with um we try to look at everything through a positive lens that's our group is that's kind of what we're known for is we're realists and, and we're we're smart fans and we understand um what's happening whether good things are happening or teams are struggling but we look through everything with a positive lens and so whenever we can help out with any sort of fundraiser um we try to look at even if it's not our fundraiser, but pushing that. The women's soccer team did something uh, this past spring. So trying to just kind of, uh, you know, whoever can afford to pitch in and whatever we can do in sharing things socially, you know, social media, even for, you know, our Olympic sports that might not get as much coverage. Um, we're big baseball fans, so that just happens. We're there a lot at the games. And so naturally we, we gravitate towards that. But, 
you know, we were at a lot of t- women's tennis matches this year, which, by the way, I don't know a ton about the Sun Belt, but we have a phenomenal women's tennis program. Um, we really have a good a good thing going. We've got a great athletic department. We've got great Excellent. coaches. Um, yeah. Excellent. And, uh, Excellent. Sounds like a great – go ahead, Mike. Sorry. We, we do one other fundraiser that's really important to us. Uh, for the Oyster Bowl, we do a Toys for Dots fundraiser. Uh, we have some members that are Marine veterans, um, specifically Harry McBrien. He's uh, one of our leads on Monarchist. Um, so we do Toys for Tots every year, and this past year we raised, we had, we collected over well, hundreds of toys, and I don't remember the dollar amount, but over a thousand dollars. Yeah, thousand dollars. Nice. One day. So for us, we we take a lot of pride in. Uh, giving back because well you you guys have definitely made us look like just a bunch of drunks and talk about sports all the time so uh you've raised the bar <laughs> quite a bit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right i'm gonna we, i i've kept you guys here about twice as long as i i, I promised you but i have a couple of real quick questions uh I'll, I'll get you in there and we'll get you out of here so you guys can get back to your your lives um so we face Georgia State's one of two schools in the East or in the Sun Belt Conference that faces all four new opponents. And uh, with you guys, uh, JMU, Marshall, and Southern Miss, uh, Old Dominion is the only one we face at home. So that's, this is going to be the representation of all four schools about how far, uh, how well teams travel. So one question is, uh, do you expect Old Dominion to make a – I know you said you guys can't make it, but do you, do you expect Old Dominion to travel well to Atlanta? And then just um, what is your expectations on the season overall? I'll let you guys answer those together. My, my gut tells me that it won't be one of our biggest showings. And I, the reason why I say that is because we have road games at East Carolina, at UVA, at App State, at Coastal. So I think there will be a significant amount of fans that go to East Carolina and to UVA. And then I think they're the folks are going to be looking at the ones that could, they didn't go to the bowl game last year, or maybe who did and wanted to you know go back to Myrtle or those who've never been to Boone, you know, for a game. Um, I think that people will probably choose one of those first. Um, Mike, I don't know what you think there. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, we'll probably bring probably between five hundred and a thousand fans to Georgia State. Maybe um, sell out crowd. It's better you. than some of the Sunbelt schools. <laughs> uh, how many? How many? How many fans are you guys bringing in normally in, on look, a home game? Look, we don't like answering these technical questions. We can have a good time, and, and we have you m- come in here, and you, it feels like you're trying to kill the buzz. And I, I just don't, my bad. <laughs> We've maintained the NCAA minimums. There you go. That's all I hey, got now. I will. I, I will. I will give you. I will give a little bit of defense to our our stand. So you guys will be watching this game from home. Our so obviously you guys know we play in the former home of the Atlanta Braves and the the Olympic um, uh, Olympics track and field and everything. So the way our camera angle is set up is we're basically using old suites from uh, Turner Field that have to point that one direction. We have stands set in the in the uh, what was the old right field uh, center we, field area. Yeah. We do the opposite of JMU, right. <laughs> We show off the bad side. So <laughs> is that the front or the back of the mullet? Yeah, yeah, yeah we show exactly. the front. 
So what you'll see is uh, the side that in the early parts, other parts of the season are the hottest seats out there. There's no covering at all. So there, there's a little turnout there. So it looks bad. And then, he, but if you are in those seats, you're looking back at the larger part of the stadium, it may look a little empty as well, but we have a lot of suites and a lot of clubs f- from having that, uh, uh, that you know, major league ba- ballpark. And those things are always packed out. So our, our attendance, while not impressive, is better than what it appears to be on TV and even when you're in the stadium itself. But yeah, I would say we report right over that FBS minimum of 15,000 a game, 16, 17,000 a game. Realistically, we're probably 12s to 10s, you know, I, I would say. But yeah, uh, you right. know, we, but we are the, we are the, um, you're looking at, three of the more uh, diehard passionate guys, obviously. And we do our best to try to bring as many fans into the game and have a good time out there. But even then we're, we're up top in the club section. We're not down on the sidelines. Uh, we won't, we won't see us on anything uh, behind players faces or anything. Cause we're, um, we're up where it's air conditioned and covered and we got <laughs> covered and all that. Yeah, yeah. We try to, we, <laughs> we, we, uh, you know, we, we've lived our lives already, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to have a good time. Yeah. All right. So last last question. We'll get you out of guys here. What is y'all's like realistic expectations? I know you guys open up the season uh, hosting Virginia Tech, which Virginia Tech, no offense, is actually one of my darling teams, only because my, one of my best friends went there. I had great teams and great times in Black, Blacksburg. I'll, I will definitely be watching that game. Uh, but what are, what are y'all's expectations on the season? I'm not saying who I'm rooting for, Tuck. Uh, but uh, how, what are you guys? <laughs> you just did. What are you guys looking for in the season? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had to clear my throat. I had to clear my throat. <laughs> That's really difficult. <laughs> yeah, this this is actually a really difficult question, um, and the reason why is it could be all over the place. Um, the team is definitely going to be the the team is a better team than last year. The team is full of talent. They're still young, but they have a shit ton of experience. The coaches are the same way. Some of the youngest, the youngest coaches in the country, but they showed in the second half of the season last year that their plan is progressing and they're going in the direction that they want to go. Um, it's a tough schedule, and I don't know if you guys pay attention. Coach Ronnie is like, you know, anyone talking about that it's a daunting schedule and whatever is kind of, you know, don't talk about that. That's that's. We play one game at a time, and we don't have to play them all at the same time. Um, But I think realistically, um, I think having a record probably about the same as last year uh, could be there. But that's against a much tougher schedule. But I think they could be anywhere from a four-win team to a nine- or ten-win team. It just kind of depends on how things come together early. I think they need to start fast and to keep the momentum from last year. Again, if you listen to Coach Ronnie, he doesn't believe in momentum from the previous year. So even if you don't have that, starting quick and building some momentum right off the bat, some confidence for those guys, I think, is an important thing this year. Which, Mike, what do you think, man? So, Mike, you guys so, hosting the championship game this year? <laughs> so Phil Steele said we could win as few as three games and as many as nine. And I'm kind of in that boat where it's all going to depend on injuries and resilience. Like, how will this team respond when a game doesn't go their way? Um, Last year, we know how they responded because they were one in 
six. six, and they went. They ended up winning five straight. Right. Six. They were a very resilient team. So it all yeah, chip and how they bounce back because um, they could start zero and four. They could start two and two. They could start four and zero. I think all four of our non-conference games, while they are daunting and they're all quality opponents. I think we can beat all of them. I think they're all toss-up games. <coughs> lose one, all four. One, one. Well. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say that I, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to make it over um, Friday to uh, open practice. And the t- you can tell that the team and the coaching staff, they're engaged. That practice was efficient. It was effective. Um Everybody was where they they went. They were moving. The players looked tight. They tight, not as in not being loose, but tight as as a team, and excited. And I was impressed with what I saw. The, the coaching staff had things going, and the guys knew where they should be, and they got every ounce out of that practice. There wasn't any wasted time or movement. So if the season goes the way that that particular practice went, I think that the Monarch fans will be very happy, but you got to play this game. So only time will excellent. tell. Well, excellent, I'll be excellent. in the bowl game, but uh, I could see how it could go south. Does that make sense? I hear you. Yeah, well, hey, hey, Georgia State fans, man, we we <laughs> enter the season with the highest of expectations, and then uh, at the, at halftime of our first game, we're kind of like. Well, that was wrong. So uh, we get, we got you. We feel you there. But uh, thanks, you guys, for joining. And hopefully, you know, if you guys can't make it down for the football game this year, uh, you guys make it down for a basketball game or something else, and we'll see you guys. Uh, you know, hit us up. We'll, we'll definitely uh, have a few drinks with you. I want to end uh, this little segment with you with a comment we got. A couple comments from uh, from Nick Brock. He, first, he says, live broadcast with chat. And then he says, love it better than a CUSA game broadcast. So I think that. Uh, All right. <laughs> That's part, so. Yeah, Nick, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us. We'll, and we'll uh, hopefully talk. To, let's talk to each other uh, before our football game, before our basketball games. Uh, throughout, throughout the season, yeah. let's talk to each other again. Okay. Sound good? Sounds awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Thank you. Cool. Appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, guys. That's it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at State of Atlanta or on Facebook at facebook.com slash State of Atlanta. And if you enjoy what you're listening to, please rate and review us on your podcast app. Thank you very much and go Panthers.